0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the channel and or podcast wherever you are watching or listening from. Just yesterday morning I had the absolute honor of speaking with the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Young. One of the original, he calls himself second wave, but one of the original big YouTube stars that really made a killing uh, making these incredible rock and metal covers of, you know, Disney villain songs, other popular rock music. Absolutely, insanely talented vocalist and singer. And we get into his whole career, his approach to vocal technique, his background, his family background as a, a family of musicians. We talk a lot about what it's like to be a big creator on YouTube. You know, how you strike the balance between doing what you want to do as an artist, but also, you know, pleasing the audience that you've built up over all the years. It was really interesting to get his take as one of the big creators in that field. We're talking over two million subscribers on YouTube and has literally been on the top charts in the world for rock, original rock music. So you can't talk to a better guy about you know what's happening in YouTube, how it's evolved over the years and we get into all of that. Um, really cool guy, such just an immensely talented and smart person. And it was really cool to finally, uh, you know, really have a, a long one-on-one with him after having, you know, collaborated with him on projects in the past, namely, uh, our cover of centuries by the bass game that featured Jonathan Young's absolutely insane vocals. So it was really cool, really fun, really a great opportunity to talk with him. And I really, I mean, I am 100% sure you guys are going to love this conversation. So please, Put your hands together for, and welcome, Jonathan Young. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the channel and or the podcast, wherever you are watching or listening. Today, we have the fucking awesome, incredible Jonathan (laughs) Young. It is such an honor to have him here. And I'm going to pass the torch to him and let him give a little elevator pitch as to who he is and what he's up to these
1: days. Hello, everybody. I'm Jonathan Young. Uh, You might know me from my YouTube channel. Uh, but I've been making music on the internet for 10 years, full time, uh, independently built up 2 million fans doing cover songs, original music, um, songwriting, music production, singing all sorts of stuff. Um, most people know me for my metal covers of songs from, uh, nerd pop culture sort of stuff. Uh, but more recently, I've been doing a lot more original music. I have a fantasy pirate metal album called Starship Velociraptor that uh, has a little bit of a cult following now, and uh, and of course, uh, partnered with a couple video game brands and big franchises. I've I've worked with Dragon Ball. I've worked with uh, Beyblade, Magic the Gathering. Yesterday, I uh, teamed up with Baldur's Gate to to release a new song for their uh new game release today so doing all sorts of music content creator stuff on the internet constantly and that's about it
0: awesome very nice elevator pitch thank you i (laughs) want i want to i want to get into uh kind of what started it all like pre pre youtube pre making your own stuff like did you go to school for music do you have like formal musical training or what how does that all shake down
1: Yeah, so I have a a super musical family. Um, My dad was a choir director for many years, and um, my mom's entire family, we would like sing Christmas carols, four-part harmony every year at my grandma's house and stuff like that. So, uh, and, you know, drummers and singers and guitar players in the family. Um, So we, uh, it was always like a really integrated part of my childhood. And I took classical piano lessons for a while as a kid. I actually took a uh, cello for a while. I was in orchestra. Um, I have a cello somewhere in, in my, in one of my <laughs> gu- guitar closets. <laughs> um, and then um, I was in choirs. I took a bunch of music theory courses. Um, I am self-taught on guitar and drums, Uh, But as many people, musicians listening to this podcast might know, it's if once you've learned like piano and music theory, it's uh, kind of a slippery slope to just start teaching yourself other instruments, especially if they're not wind instruments. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I don't I don't take very much, very much credit uh, in terms of like, I I was very, very lucky and and privileged to have kind of a fast track with my family to, to learn music super quickly and have it be a a big part of my childhood and I did I went to a music school um a music college after high school and I was only there for a year before I dropped out I was studying music theory and lyric writing um and my main uh like composition instructor (laughs) like he like pulled me aside about halfway through the first semester, I had like tested out of a bunch of music theory courses already at the college because I had taken music theory throughout high school and and been self self taught on all these things. And he pulled me aside. He was like, "John, just move to California and and just just do it. Like, don't <laughs> don't be here. <laughs> like, he, he, he was like, John, you are gonna be fine. You need to you need to not go two hundred thousand dollars into debt right now." Yeah. Like you you don't need this uh, you don't need this school to give you a certificate to be a rock star. You can just <laughs> get out there, move to Nashville or 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 Memphis or move to LA and and do it. Um so I took his advice and I dropped out of college and uh played in uh played in dive bars for a while trying to attract the attention of whatever record labels i foolishly thought would have scouts and dive bars in minnesota (laughs) Uh, and when that of course definitely did not work um i started looking for uh looking for ways to to make money with my skill set and started seeing people making cover songs on youtube and i was like hey i could buy a i could buy a canon dslr for 200 bucks at best buy and take a crack at this and probably make some money and here we are <laughs> here we are yeah
0: definitely made made a little bit of money doing that <laughs> yeah so li- living on a prayer for a while and then you're like hmm let's let's think about it and find something practical that you can
1: you can kind of yeah pull off. it was it was always it was always very like it was always it was always very practical and calculated for me i i, I it, I wish that I had more of a like emotional sob story but it's it's really just I've you know my family and my upbringing has been training me to be a a, a well-oiled music machine since yeah a very very young age so I'm very lucky for that but. what was the first project you put out on YouTube <laughs> it was a oh god I think it was a pop punk cover of a Kesha song <laughs> and it was so bad Peter it was so (laughs) bad I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that you could buy like drum VSTs like drum samples yeah so I was like and I didn't have enough microphones to mic up my whole drum set and I didn't have a treated room so I was like accidentally inventing sampling my own drum and <laughs> it was like recording a single hit of my own like garage band snare drum yes. and like chopping it up in bass or something to try it. yeah it was <laughs> man I, I i learned real quick though i i learned um but yeah the first couple covers i think it was my third cover that um Really like, like, blew up the career. I think I did a Kesha cover and I did a Katy Perry cover because I was seeing everybody do like back then in like the first wave of YouTube cover artists, it was all like doing genre swapping covers of pop songs back then. Yeah. Okay. Back like in like 2013, it was like, taylor swift would come out with a new song and there would be like 10 different There would be like within a week or or two weeks it was like acapella version acoustic version rock version it was like <laughs> and, and now it's it's weird now because like the internet has kind of decentralized everything and like back then people were still listening to the radio um yeah but now it's like the 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 same kids on the internet who were listening to my covers don't even know what's in the pop song zeitgeist so i'm glad i got out of doing pop songs but yeah it was a cash cover a katy perry cover and then i'll make a man out of you from mulan and that i posted that on reddit and it took off and i woke up the next day with 7000 subscribers and i was like okay here we go doing yeah. it wow that's amazing <laughs> from, from from like 50 it was like 50 yeah. friends and family subscribe um, and like 7000 doesn't sound like a lot now but when when it's like when it's overnight when it's like oh one yeah. day i have 50 subscribers the next day i have 7000 and i wake up to like like hundreds of notifications and i've never you know
0: <laughs> yeah that that first viral moment but yeah. even now i mean getting 7000 subs in a day is a good day
1: yeah that's a good day that's a really yeah, good for day. anybody
0: yeah, yeah yeah for real yeah. Um. Do you still have those projects up? If people dig far enough back,
1: <laughs> I got rid of the Katy Perry cover and the Kesha cover. Okay. Uh, I was too ashamed. But uh, but the the I'll Make a Man Out of You cover is still up, uh. And and it really showcases how bad I was at music production and and how how far I've come since then. Because I can't. I mean, people would yell at me so much if I. Because that one has, like, let me check. Uh, yeah this is at i think five million views yeah you eight, gotta 8 million eight million views yeah, yeah i can't that's, that's still a huge can't get reward. rid of that one no yeah
0: that's that's wild i mean you really are one of the kind of og youtubers in that way oh thank you i, <laughs> I mean 10 years goddamn yeah um yeah how have you seen the kind of youtube landscape change and evolve from from when you started and do you find yourself doing anything differently to kind of keep up with that oh point? yeah
1: oh yeah um I I see myself as the second wave of of music yeah. content creators on the internet um or or at least I I in my head I it, it makes sense in my head I like th- there was this there's this first wave of like people figuring out what you could do figuring out like what youtube was and so you had like lincoln park amvs you had um you had like uh, like basically like the the ancestor of the modern day like music production twitch streamer or or like dj twitch streamer where you'd have like a like a hip-hop producer that would like make a beat on their dinky little drum machine and <laughs> and post like a video of them doing that to youtube yeah uh, um uh, and then uh, there was this wave of musicians like uh, Boyce Avenue, uh, Peter Hollins, Lindsey Stirling, um, this first wave of people where what I remember thinking about a lot at the beginning was that everybody was tr- like, there was like an arms race of professionalism where everybody was trying to go bigger and like – I guess like you could think of it like vertical scaling with their videos. Like they'd spend three months like arranging and producing and shooting and editing a crazy cinematic high quality video. And then yeah. they'd post it on YouTube and it would get 10 million views. Uh and it was great. But um something interesting about that to me is that they were they were emulating the traditional uh music industry. They they were they were trying to like go for the the grandeur and uh polish of what you would see from like a, a band. MTV um, or yeah, yeah. So it was all about professionalism. It was all about, you know, you make a ton of money on a YouTube video and then how can you invest that money into hiring more cameramen and hiring better video editors? Um, yeah. and then I came along in, in the second wave, uh, a, as I see it. And, and then it was about, okay, there's already these people like the, the, the Boyce Avenue and the, uh, kurt hugo schneider and lindsey sterling and all these people who by the time i started they were already touring like doing nationwide tours and and i i saw lindsey sterling in concert uh, like when i was like 18 in like probably 2012 or something uh and she was already already huge at that point and i come in and it's like okay i can't do that yet i don't have the resources or the money to to do a tour i don't have the resources or the money to do a crazy drone video and especially in 2012 you can't go to best buy and buy a drone (laughs) in 2012 um so we can't do any of that so what do we do so then there was kind of this wave of like myself and and a lot of the people that, that i work with where we started trying to figure out ways to be more scrappy without like without losing some of the polish so then it became like okay how can I put up a backdrop in my garage in a way that looks really clean and put up some construction lights yeah and film a video that looks good but cost fifty dollars to make <laughs> right <laughs> yes um so that was fun and and you know learned a lot learned how to edit videos myself and and did it all on a, a shoestring budget um and then, uh, then there was the dreaded algorithm shift that changed everything from views to watch time and viewer attention. Um, and that put even more pressure on musicians and all artists to pump out content as quickly as possible because it was yeah. more about how regularly you were putting stuff out than it was about the quality. And... A lot of these people in like sort of this first and second wave of, of content creators really struggled with that because they had been really pushing to try and make bigger, better, cooler videos that took more time and more money to, uh, to make. And now here comes YouTube and then very quickly after Instagram and Vine and and now TikTok um, that are like, OK, well, like. We, we don't want you to make a, a five minute long epic video. We want you to hold somebody's attention for 30 seconds. Um and since then, it has it has kept going in that direction, in such yeah. an extreme way as I'm sure yeah. that you know. Since you you you're uh, much more TikTok savvy than I am, probably. Um, but <laughs> I um, wish I tried TikTok <laughs> for a little while and then gave up. <laughs> that's fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's um, now it's interesting and and cool to me in a lot of ways that like. Um, there's a different platform for different for for every different incentive now and and it used to not be like that used to be very limited in your in your platform choices so you can you can be making these very short snappy 30 second long kind of the musical version of an elevator pitch kind of and 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 hook somebody on your voice or your songwriting or your your wit uh in in 30 seconds and keep grabbing people that way on TikTok, and then try to leverage that into Spotify streams and, and, and money. Um, or you can, you can go on YouTube. You can try to put out a more polished finished MTV style weekly music video or whatever, um, and do it that way. And then there's even some people that use YouTube as a proxy for Spotify now where they'll just make a playlist on YouTube and, and, um, and and that's one of the biggest ways that YouTube, I think, has changed is that uh, we found with a lot of I, I produce for some other people as well. And we found with a lot of the, the people that we work with that it doesn't even matter what the video is anymore. You can just put the album art up. And if the song is good enough or if you just have like some cool art or a visualizer or something or a lyric video, uh, the the video itself doesn't actually matter on YouTube as a musician as much as getting people to stay to actually watch that whole video um
0: that is shocking I would think a video would would have a lot more audience capture than even a cool graphic
1: right well that's the thing though is that like with any other type of content on YouTube like and this is this is strictly for like song content I mean um like obviously if you're playing video games or or doing a podcast or something like that it's totally different but right um but if you're posting a song a lot of times people will will they'll open up YouTube on their TV or on their phone and they'll be like, oh, wow, Jonathan posted a new song. They, they know it's a song because they know that I only post songs. So they'll put it on and then they they're not looking lost. at it. They're just listening. Um, so in that way, they're kind of using YouTube as a stand in for Spotify. And then your goals end up really changing where it's. It's less about making a compelling video edit and less about doing this crazy grandiose um drone shots and cool editing and stuff, and more about just get them to click on the thumbnail and then, yeah, have a good song, and then you're set. Um, and then of course there's there's Twitch and all these other things, and um yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. like you really have to be, you really have to be smart uh about like how you're what where you're aiming your content because every platform is going to like digest that content differently and and the mm-hmm. meta game of of all these different platforms and how they're changing like now like uh shorts like youtube is trying so hard to be TikTok that it's normal <laughs> uh normal <laughs> videos on youtube are really not doing as well this, yeah. e- even just this past year it's changing yeah so
0: so when you're approaching a new song, do you I mean like writing a hook in a song has been around since music has been around, but yeah, have yeah. you had you have you found yourself more trying to get something in those first few seconds that really hooks the audience?
1: Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I I I my team and I sometimes call it a TikTok moment <laughs> where where <laughs> like we'll, we'll kind of like we'll pick a part of the song that we know is going to be the 30 second clip, whether it's the first part of the song or or like a, a chorus later on. Um, but also like making sure that we don't have any crazy minute long ambient intros, you know, like yeah, like making right. sure that that like something interesting musically is happening right from the get go, yeah, um so thinking about like thinking about your your listeners' attention as a commodity that you have to like spend wisely um <laughs> it it's weird, and it sucks a lot sometimes and and people will a lot of artists that I work with will, will justifiably be very, very like irritated and frustrated and, and they'll kind of moan and groan about like, I shouldn't have to keep their attention. I, you know, I want to have a three minute long ambient <laughs> post, uh <laughs> you know,
0: pure atmosphere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Pure atmosphere for three minutes before the, the, the rock music comes in or, yeah. or whatever. And it's like, well, Yes, in a perfect world, you'd be able to express yourself however you want, uh, and, and and you can you you can do it. You still can do that. Yeah, you are allowed but to do that. Yeah, like that was always allowed. But like you're complaining because people don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's I don't know. It's it's gotta it's weird.
0: Throw that in the middle of the album once you've had yeah people with epic music for yeah twenty minutes.
1: Well, <clears> and <throat> that's that's the thing though, is that like. I think that maybe there is a way to sell that. Maybe there is a way to like go on TikTok and, and be like, like, I don't know if you've seen those, like, like the vibe videos where it's like POV you're, you're, uh, you're sitting (laughs) outside in in the sunset and, and then it's just a a cute little song. Um, But I don't know. It's weird, man. Like my, my perspective has changed so many times about like what the best way to win is playing the content creator game, doing music. But yeah, what it all boils down to is, uh, it, it all boils down to like, who are you trying to get to listen to this and how can you get them to like it and, and, yeah. s- and stay like yeah. it. And that goes for whatever platform it is. Cause, and so sometimes like that first part, the who, who are you trying to get to listen? That's important too, because if you're, you know, um, if you're trying to if you if you if you've developed a fan base that likes a certain thing and then you try to do something else, if you um or even just platform to platform, like um like YouTube tends to like different genres than TikTok does. Uh and there's like different strategies of like trying to trying to target certain groups um on different platforms but but it's all it's all just that psychological question of like how do you um how do you get the right people to see this and stick around yeah
0: um but anyway i mean like rambling (laughs) well making a lot of uh covers and original music as well it's seems like it's partially how do you satisfy the mob while staying true to your artistic integrity yeah how, how have you kind of interfaced with that? I mean, it seems like some of your most popular videos have been like Disney metal covers, right? But then you also right. have this original music you're making. Do you find that you're still getting a lot of support on the original stuff um, in comparison to the Disney metal covers or whatever has kind of gotten you the biggest chunk of your following?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually changed throughout my career. Um, and I think part of why it changed is because I'm I'm not as naive as I used to be about how to approach releasing original music. Uh, but the internet culture also has changed. Like at the beginning, like I do enjoy doing Disney covers. Um, I like Disney songs. They're really well-written and and usually like melodically interesting and all these different things, lyrically really well-written. Um, so I like doing Disney covers, but for like the first half of my career covers were 100% just, I need to please the mob and make money. Um, and I was always like super transparent about that. I would like occasionally, I would occasionally like lose focus and cover a song that wouldn't be as popular. But when it came down to it, it was always okay. Like what what choice of cover song is going to do the best with my anime and Disney loving fans. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of those kids kind of, um, just to speak to my own fan base, but I, I hope that people can like think about how this could kind of apply to other fan bases as well. But like what I feel like happened is these teenagers who are listening to Disney covers and AMVs and, and anime openings on, on YouTube, they grow up and then they, then they watch critical role for the first time and they start playing D and D and they start listening to, uh, they start listening to bardcore music and they like it's There's you can kind of like trace like the 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 zeitgeist of like this age bracket of kids growing up and and how their interests are kind of evolving into uh, into different spaces, because what ended up happening is like, I would release original music that would flop all the time, because I was treating it like, oh, well, this is just my original song. But as soon as I started treating it like this is my original song that has a video that reads like an anime and my fans love anime and there's there's characters that are kind of like Disney characters and the lyrics are written kind of like a Disney song and the music is kind of like an anime opening and the branding like like it's not just a a, 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 it's not just a binary between originals and covers being two types of content and I I used to get that wrong it's more about like if i know that my fans love disney if i know that my fans love anime how can i how can i dress up originals in a way that will hook that group of people yeah right um and i didn't know how to do that for a long time and and starship uh, the starship velociraptor album that i did in 2021 uh was like the first time where it started to click and i was like oh there's a way where I can maneuver here and make the original music really like clickbaity to my to my fan base specifically. Um and now more recently we're we're doing like like some folk sort of bard Dungeons and Dragons inv- adventurer kind of music. And when we when we stop to think about like what do we put in the thumbnail? How do we like how do we write this in a way that it'll make D and D fans click on it? Because all of these same anime and Disney people who, who found my channel are now listening to sea shanties on TikTok. How do we, hmm. uh, how do we weaponize that? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, uh, and now because of that covers are actually really doing badly for me lately. Um, really
0: interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I think part of it, Part of it is because I leaned into that change a lot and I started as soon as I caught wind that my fans might like a sea shanty for many of the same reasons why they like Disney and anime music Yeah, uh, because we're all nerds. Um, (laughs) uh, I leaned into that really hard and then I started getting these influxes of like Dungeons and Dragons fans coming into my channel and then I just do a Linkin Park cover and they're like, what is this? This isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. so uh yeah I'm I've been I've been talking with my management and my production team about just making the decision to almost entirely stop doing covers other than uh like Disney and sometimes uh some sea shanty stuff. Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Well, you're at that I mean you're at that level now for sure where I think you can fully probably branch into doing your own stuff which I assume is kind of the end goal, right? Oh yeah. Like, fully yeah. fledged like purely original music that that does just as well as anything you've ever put out there yeah
1: yeah i think there is a, another side to to that discussion about how there's so like the barrier of entry is so low for like buy a mic for 50 bucks and and then sing into your phone camera mm-hmm. that i like i i which is good that, that's that's a net positive for society but for cover artists it means that there's so many people making metal covers of popular songs right now that yeah. um or like singing old like linkin park or or my chemical romance songs or wh- whatever it is there's so many people doing it now that um i think it's a little bit like i think i think culturally we are a little fatigued by youtube and tiktok cover songs right now Uh, unless you do it in a really uh unique way so i i would almost say that um i would almost say that originals are just like a better investment right now like if you can find a way to be super compelling with like how you're how you're sort of marketing an an original if that makes sense Yeah. yeah um yeah yeah I don't know, man. It's always changing. It's always changing, and it I'm always to be the Wild West. Yeah, always thinking about it.
0: <laughs> um, I noticed you you've done some like you, you mentioned, kind of getting some of like the the animated crowd, like those fans. And I noticed yeah. you you've done some videos that are fully animated. Yeah, you know, music videos, which is awesome. That's like always something. Thank you, man. That's like huge, huge, like end goal for me is be part of an animated series or voice an animated character or something because there's there's something so cool about it so how did you how did you go about that how did you did you like who's the team that you hired to do that and then I mean how much input did you have on you know what it looks like and all that stuff I'm super interested to hear all about that process
1: yeah so that was like that was kind of like part of all all of this that I've been talking about with like trying to find a way to make the originals uh appealing to sort of the 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 like very hard hard to catch attention span of of everybody on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um at the time I didn't have management and I wasn't work really working with with much of a team. So I kind of just blasted out looking for independent animators. And there's so many things that I that I would do differently if I if I did it again. Uh, cause it was very um like some of the animators were flawless and did amazing work. We had some other animators that like completely flaked on us after we paid them a whole bunch of money. Um there, there were like a a whole bunch of uh there's a, a huge range of like like projects where everything had a happy ending versus projects that like got completely destroyed and and <laughs> horrible and and nice. uh and and wasted a ton of money. And and part of that is because of the nature of animation is very expensive yeah on on average we spent um uh i spent between like 6000 and 15 to 20000 per video because the animation is so expensive and time consuming and it it, it yeah. it's, some of the videos took literally over a year to animate um and part of that is because i i i gave each song to a, a completely independent animator a couple of them were done by like a duo or a team um but yeah i mean they're they're hand drawing every frame and and um and it 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 was awesome it turned out great some of the videos um did really really well um but then you kind of i guess at least where my mind goes is like um what can we do better next time and was it worth it because like artistically, some of it turned out absolutely incredible. And I, I didn't, I wasn't involved. I didn't want to be involved in that at all other than like uh, the starting concept. Yeah. Like I, I had some ideas for like mm-hmm. these different like characters that would be in the band, but a lot of that was like in the lyrics of some of the songs anyway. So it was kind of baked into the idea. Um, But other than that, most of these animators, I was like, Hey, make a video uh here's the concept do your thing like yeah i'm not gonna touch it uh and I, i'm glad i did it that way but then um there's questions like okay if the video got this many plays and the song got this many plays we're not breaking even on a lot of these videos right we're not making uh 20 30 000 Uh, dollars on 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 some of these songs other songs maybe uh when we get really lucky maybe we'll make a we'll make a lot of money on on one of these songs if it does really well um but uh if it doesn't break even then we're gambling huge amounts of money on these lavish uh sort of vertical um investments um and then if you want to hone in your branding more and have like the same characters and the same animation style across every video. And if you want to meet the deadlines of, of the TikTok algorithm and and put music out all the time, then you're looking at, okay, we have to hire multiple animation teams who are all like centrally communicating with each other. and, And then we need to have contracts for all these animators that allows us to protect ourselves in case more of them flake on us. And we have to, you know, uh, We have to be spending so much money on getting these videos done that, um, it ends up being a huge, like business liability to try and basically do what I tried to do for, for that project. So I don't know (laughs) if I would recommend it, but, um, but I mean, it was, it was, it was still super fulfilling and I'm, I'm still like, I'm glad that I did it all things considered, but, um, I'm trying to come up with ways that I can kind of have the same aesthetic uh, in terms of, like, having, like, super, super cool and unique characters that kind of tell this story visually throughout the song without spending $20,000 on a a fully animated video. So then it becomes about, like, can we do, like, an animatic? Can we do, like... Like still images of these characters that we kind of turn into like a sort of a we do like a video made up of like gifs or whatever. Mm-hmm. um So <laughs> we have different ideas like that, but it's yeah, it was a it was a crazy project, and some of it paid off, some of it didn't. Uh, yeah, I
0: would think but, but I would think into lots. It's a, lot. <laughs> a, a two part question: Is it worth it? Right? Because like yeah. artistically worth it? Is it fulfilling? Does right. it help your brand does it look good for you in the channel and your team and everything and then there's the did we actually make money off it
1: right right <laughs> and we questions. learned a lot too we learned a lot about like if we ever do have 10 grand to throw around if we do a sponsorship or anything like that um yeah. we know how to do it the right way now but that it's uh each each lesson that you learn opens more doors that have more questions behind them like okay like first it was can we do it first it was can we make all of these independent animators do these music videos and have it work the answer kind of yes but then now we're faced with this this new question of like can we make a more budget-friendly version of a similar sort of branding for the music videos and then the follow-up question is will the fans like it will will the fans still um are we losing the magic that captured people into blasting those songs if we don't do the full animated video yeah and there's there's only one way to find out you know (laughs) um but yeah Yeah, it's
0: it's wild i would would think these these animation projects especially when you're talking about getting them done faster and hiring more and more people so you can like churn things out faster i would just think you would i can't even imagine the viewership you would need to like make that back if you're talking tens of thousands of dollars
1: Yeah, for each project, multiple projects. It's it's crazy, man. Because like so much of like, as soon as you get, this is something that I like don't talk about much when I like, usually when I'm doing like Q and A's or because like so many people want like, the, the like the intro level questions of like how do I get fans? How do I, you know what I mean? Like, how do I, how do I mix my vocals? How do I like, there's all these like barrier of entry questions that people always ask, but then there's this like next level of questions that you hit of like, how do I decide which of my large project investments are worth it? When I, when answering that question requires me to kind of put, whether it's a a a money value or some kind of quantifiable yeah. value, when I have to think about like branding, how much is my branding worth to me? Uh, yeah. My uh, production value, how much is my production value? Like, because for example, sorry, this is a crazy tangent, but oh, um, go for it. <laughs> like, like we basically learn, like, like the reason why we stopped doing such fancy videos as a team is is partially because we we would have weeks where we would phone it in and do a cheaper, faster video. And then that video would blow the fuck up, you know, it would, and it's like, okay, so maybe we shouldn't care so much about having a nice video editor or having, you know, somebody who's really good at cinematography. If the fans just want to watch me sing, then why would we, why would we complicate that? Right. Um, And then you know, we, I work with some people like Caleb Hiles and, and Anna Pantsu are two amazing, amazing singers that I work with all the time. And half of their videos, all of Anna's videos and half of Caleb's videos, it's just a, like a, a cute little like art piece of them dressed like the character or the, the style that they're singing in and then lyrics. And then it becomes, OK, if the fans don't care if we're on camera, then why would we ever take the time to lip sync on camera if, if we don't yeah. need to yeah. show ourselves on camera um but then you have to you have to put a value on that you have to ask yourself do i want to be the type of content creator on youtube who never shows my face because my fans just want to see me um or not see me my fans just want to hear me sing their disney song with yeah. lyrics you know what yeah. i mean like yeah yeah so there's the and that that's like the best piece of advice that I sort of, it took me so long to realize. And I always push like my, my friends who I, who are comfortable, like bouncing ideas off of each other in, in the content creator space. The the thing that I always push them on the most is like, do your fans really care if you do this extra step? Like, do you need to have such a complicated edit for your video or yeah. would your fans be okay with you pulling out your iPhone and, and doing it in one take? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, and if, mm-hmm. if the fans don't care, then how much money are you losing because you care if, okay. if you have this pretense in your head of, well, I, I need to have a fancy video because I want my peers to think that I'm professional. If, if that, if that's what it is or, or whatever, whatever your pretense may be, can you really sit down and justify it to yourself if you can put a, a number value or a time value is the other thing like yeah. how many hours do you have to spend every week to get that extra um yeah so money time and then opportunity cost like if if you know that it takes you two days to make a rock cover of a song and then it takes you three three days to do the all the video editing that you need you could have made a whole other cover if you did a, a different video format. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, could literally yeah. double your music output. Um, yeah. So, but those, those are tough choices because people, people want to look good. People want to feel professional and, and yes. pride yeah. is, is, is pride is one of the biggest career killers that I see <laughs> in, in the content creator space. Cause it just, yeah. it just leeches away all your time when you're trying to yeah. look a certain way or whatever. I was chatting with Lauren Paley for the
0: channel like six weeks ago or so. And she was talking about how she was thinking about like upgrading all the quality of her stuff. And I was like, Lauren, it's working now. Like you pull out your iPhone and your videos go crazy. I was like, do not upgrade until you need to like, yeah, if if it's working because the second you go from a raw iPhone video to a whole process behind, like, like, bobby's videos on tiktok for example he'll, yeah, he'll yeah. do he'll do like the and he's been vocal about this so i feel comfortable saying it he'll yeah yeah it's a whole thing he'll like record in the studio and he'll go back and lip sync and make it look like it's a raw tiktok video which a lot of people do now yeah and lauren doesn't do that she just pulls up the iphone takes a video yeah. and th- i mean it is probably five percent of the time yeah or less yeah like if you can do that just keep doing that yeah fans like it just as much
1: yeah cuz i mean any time that you add extra steps it's like Lauren could probably i mean and this is obviously Bobby's a friend of mine as well so i don't mean this as a as a slight to him but Lauren could probably output like five times as many uh, yeah. as many TikToks as as Bobby can or or right. or do it in in a fifth of the time or whatever um and right. sometimes like what's it worth to you you know what i mean it's like if 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 you cuz then i mean the, i guess the the trade off uh, this is my mad scientist content creator brain like goes off <laughs> any any time somebody like poses sort of a hypothetical like this cuz then the question is um and i've mentioned this to bobby too and and a lot of the other people that i've worked with um that's just a question of tiktok output but you can't really make money natively on tiktok so then yeah in addition to the question of how much time are we spending editing our TikToks, how much time are we spending uh, on production value for our TikToks? Do the fans care if it's just an iPhone video of me singing with no auto tune, would the fans like it more? Or is there some kind of professionalism X factor that we care about with auto tuning and lip syncing and getting the right angles and all these different things. Um, That's just within this bubble of Making the TikTok videos themselves, and you haven't even made any money yet, right? <laughs> like, like then, like you. Once you have figured out what your TikTok process is, now you have to figure out what is the content that I'm going to monetize. Am yeah. I going to put out? Because for musicians, I'm. I get a little heated about this sometimes. For for musicians, uh, basically, m- my perspective is that if you are a content creator on the internet making music and you're not putting out at least one song a month on Spotify, you are literally just throwing money in the toilet because, (laughs) because, because there's, there's, uh, at at least if, if your content is you singing or you playing an instrument or whatever, this is, this doesn't apply to obviously the main main thing. Yeah. If if you're doing reactions or podcasters or, or, or interviews or whatever, it's obviously a different story. But, um, but if your content is you singing or playing guitar or something, but but then you have a whole other bubble of like perfectionism and, and branding and, and all these things, because I know singers and guitarists who and, and I'm sure I'm sure that some of these people that, that you you've talked to from TikTok are the same way where um they could they could literally record a voice memo on their phone of them singing like a siren, you know, Irish uh, folk song or something. And mm-hmm. and it there is a world where they could airdrop that voice memo to their computer and upload it to Spotify and it would it would get millions of plays and they would make thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. but then you have to get over that pride of this is a voice memo that i recorded yeah. on my iphone but then and and i'm not i'm not saying like i'm not saying that this is necessarily the right answer but like i've seen it happen i've seen people download a free karaoke track and sing into audacity and staple it together and put it on spotify and get hundreds of thousands of plays i've i've yeah. literally seen it happen yeah. so if the fans don't care then what are you losing because you care right yeah. like yeah. like I, how much are you willing to to be broke just because you insist on spending x number of hours melodining your vocals spending x number of yeah of um and if, if you're if you're cunning about it like for example like you know going with kind of like the folk song example um if you this is such a weird specific example, but I hope that this kind of illustrates where I'm going with this. Like, for example, like acapella covers, as we know, are very complicated to, yes. to arrange. Yep. There's so many layers that you need. There's so much thought that goes into mixing and tuning and editing the vocals mm-hmm. so that they sound perfect. But there's also like, for example, if you're doing like a sea shanty song, there's a way that you can be kind of uh sneaky about cutting corners with stuff like that like let's say you're, you're doing an acapella sea shanty cover you could literally just kind of like stand in the back of the room and soon, man, the weatherman coming you could just like you could <laughs> shout all of these different harmonies and not tune or edit any of them and yeah. at the end it like you'll you don't have to do any melodining you don't have to do any uh not really any mixing you just kind of stack layers of gang vocals and (laughs) and sing all the different harmonies and it would probably sound sick because you know what i mean like it's because it sounds like a crowd of people singing all these different harmonies together yeah um and that that's like what i what i mean to illustrate with that is that like you can come up with ways to kind of cheat the process and push content out faster that is unique and fun and sounds professional and and polished while skipping a lot of the traditional music industry okay I have to hand edit 50 different vocal tracks before I can post this TikTok it's like well yeah Yeah. somebody else has just posted 10 TikToks and three full Spotify songs in the amount of time that it took you to 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 make one piece of of content and I don't mean that as a jab at people who make very polished content but the reason I get so heated about this is because I, I personally know a lot of people who are so convinced that they have to make very polished content and they're broke as fuck yeah. and, and, and and they're mad about it and they're mad about it. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's you like the, both, there yeah. Is, yeah, you can't have both. If you want to make the super polished professional content, then you can't be mad when you're wasting too much time and yeah. not able to keep up with the algorithm. Um, That's so funny. Someone literally yesterday
0: asked me what, soapbox of mine is and i talked about that thing yeah. you can't be angry about both sides of the same coin yeah you yeah. gotta pick one yeah and stick to it um yeah i've thought a lot about um making like really simple covers of stuff because yeah. like my my solo work is opera yeah like that's my main thing is being a professional opera singer that's my main goal the youtube although wonderful and like very legitimate as like financial support now uh, as a secondary thing but opera's the main thing and I definitely don't have between those two things, I and being in the bass gang, I don't have the extra time to make really high quality, yeah, covers and put them out. Um, but I'm like learning guitar and I'm thinking once that gets good enough, just doing like really simple acoustic yeah. covers and just singing like country music.
1: Yeah. There's like even, there's even like you could like go on Fiverr and just like pay somebody 50 bucks to just track the, the one acoustic guitar track. Oh, for I can you. do it now. One of, one yeah, of yeah. Um, my buddy,
0: uh, George Washburn is like one of uh, one of the great like up and coming guitarists in Nashville. Yes, yeah. studios goes Hell on yeah. tour. He's fucking awesome, and he, he would do it in a heartbeat. So like that's another yeah uh, that's yeah for sure another option. Um, I did I've done one really high quality music video, and I don't regret it even though like it flopped as far as the stats are concerned. But I yeah, made a yeah. cover of Enemy by Imagine Dragons, and I incorporated like my dubstep production background, and I incorporated the bass singer stuff, yeah. and I incorporated some opera stuff, and I raised fifteen thousand dollars for it to do it with like a full on professional production company and it is my absolute crowning achievement (laughs) sick as a musical artist and i and i watch it i'm still so proud of it and it flopped but i'm still so happy i did it but like i can't keep doing it (laughs) right right, (laughs) like i can't do it again and again but like i'm very proud of that project you know
1: yeah that's awesome i mean you know sometimes you just got to do it for yourself you know exactly and but you got to know when you're doing it for yourself. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. Y- you got to, you got to, like, you got to be at peace with, okay, I did this for myself, so I can't be mad if, yeah. it, if it doesn't do well. I totally you know? wasn't cool
0: at the, like, you know, like the first, <laughs> the first couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. I yeah. Just like stomping around, like, how are people not saying this? This is Yeah. Bullshit. But now, you know, a year later in retrospect, I'm like, I'm still very proud of that. But, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've definitely had projects like that as well, but um, but yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like, you, uh, it it's basically yeah. like deciding like what your priorities are. You know, it's it's as much it's that's as much it like is. a soul searching thing as it is a because everybody's so like reductive about it. Everyone's like, "Oh, the, I hate the algorithm and uh, the and uh, being a content creator is miserable. It's so shallow. It's just trying to clickbait everybody's attention span." It's like, "You're not wrong, but what's like what is what is the alternative?" You know what I mean? Like what like like you want a record label to just like get down on their knees and beg you to make your 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 passion project and and then like and then you go on like that that's a pipe dream and 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 record labels suck like record labels are are uh with very few exceptions incredibly predatory and toxic so like like there isn't any better option for you other than to be an independent (laughs) content creator trying to ride the waves of the algorithm yeah um so so basically what it boils down to is like either you can hang or you can't hang you know what i mean yeah, like e- yeah, like yeah. either like take advantage of your autonomy as an independent content creator and do something with that or stay mad and stay broke you know yeah. what i mean like right. you can you can have your day job and and uh you know make your money and then make your passion projects so that was yep. always allowed um but you know it's you got to if you're mad, you got to ask yourself like you got to ask yourself about your own pride. You know what I mean? <laughs> you you got to be like, "Oh, well, maybe I can admit to myself that I wanted I wanted people to like me for this and I yeah. wanted to make money for this, but now since you're bringing in these sort of selfish non-artistic motives into your art, you know, no one's entitled to pay you for music that they don't like no yeah. one's entitled to give you attention for music that they don't like and if yeah. you don't get the attention or the money You're you are right. know again you kind of got to pick one i don't think there's full artist
0: in any kind of like commercialized medium i don't think there's any like full artistic freedom right like well you can get kind of close but there's always yeah. going to be some angle to to make more money or to make sure the video
1: is successful or whatever right and yeah i don't know it, it's <laughs> it's, just, it's such a weird topic because it's like it's like because like for a while i was trying to make like radio rock music and uh and i kind of hit this point where i was like i'm okay with making uh, i'm okay with having a lower ceiling like I'm okay with limiting the maximum amount of money that I'll be able to make for my music, uh, if I can not have to make radio rock. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, yeah. like I, I would rather make like a like a, an album of original sea shanties, knowing full well that my audience, my target audience, is smaller, and the most money that I'm gonna make is gonna be five million streams per song, which without a record label and without Pretty a ton incredible. of employees is actually a crap ton of money for one person no um, kidding but then none of those sea shanties are ever going to get the the 500 million streams that mm-hmm. uh that one of these radio rock bands gets but i'm at peace with that because that's like i don't need that i'm not aiming for that i'd rather like i'm I'm choosing my lane i'm choosing my priorities i would rather do the, the sort of piratey uh, piratey original music that I love doing rather yeah. than um, rather than trying so hard to hit the maximum amount of money that you could ever make for rock music, which yeah. by itself kind of necessitates that you have a record label and necessitates that you yeah. Uh, yeah, do all of these things that might actually lose you money while you're trying to make more money. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of questions like that, that I think that like the intermediate content creators who are who know how to edit they know how to produce they, they know how to write or sing or play or whatever um i think there's a lot of questions that a lot of people i know never sit down and answer those questions they're just yeah. kind of blindly yeah mad about
0: <laughs> about the way that that being a content creator blind, blind
1: is. rage yeah yeah i don't know it's tough man it's definitely tough all right
0: let's um shift gears i yeah. was a huge uh magic the gathering
1: yes fan
0: as a kid my friends and i that was our main we played all the card games but that was the yes. main one i have some friends who like still actively collect and play now i just have all my old decks that you know get their teeth kicked in by the new the yep. new guard but still yep. love the game so how how did that project come up and and what's what's the status on that what can we expect from that
1: yeah so um I I've been following the the rise of of uh the scene that calls itself nerdcore music for a long time. I don't know if you're familiar with sort of that idea. Yeah. Um but for anybody listening who doesn't know, there's this whole massive bubble on the internet of kids that will make like like fan songs about like a video game or a movie or something that they enjoyed or an anime. So like For example, there's a ton of people that will make, like, rap songs about anime characters. They'll, like, take, like, their favorite anime character and they'll make a rap song from that character's perspective. Uh, And then there's kind of, like, on the, the lower the lower age number for target audience you have like minecraft music you have like people that will actually and like we laugh but (laughs) i know people who are buying their second house and a sports car (laughs) uh, because because they made fucking minecraft music and and um and it's a real thing on youtube there's like there's dozens of artists that will make a techno song or a rap song based on their little minecraft server and or somebody else's Minecraft server. That's, I mean, yeah. there's so much internet lore to unpack to explain to somebody who doesn't know about any of this stuff. But the point is <laughs> you're making songs that are inspired by an existing intellectual property, like a, a video game or something. Um, and I started to see people that were making D D songs, like basically like they'd play Dungeons and Dragons with their friends. And then they'd make a song about their character or they'd make a song about uh, an adventure that they went on, or something like that. Um, and I started seeing more and more stuff like this happening. And and the, a good friend of mine, uh, Gavin Miracle of Sound, um, was doing this thing for a while, where every time a new video game would come out that he liked, like say Diablo or something, he would make an original song that kind of feels like mm-hmm. um, feels like Diablo. Cool. Uh, and some of these songs end up being like hugely successful on the internet to the point where like Gavin made, uh, I talk with Gavin about this a lot. Gavin made like a a Viking folk song uh, based on the Assassin's Creed Viking game. And it became so overwhelmingly popular that first people thought that it was in the official game soundtrack. (laughs) And then people were making covers of the song that were like blowing up just because the song was, itself was so popular that, that there there's certain people on TikTok where a big part of their career only exists because they made a cover of a Assassin's Creed Viking fan song that Gavin wrote um and 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 then <laughs> finally it kept getting i think it's at like like 80 million Spotify plays or something like that God. something ridiculous God. um and and then it got so popular that now there's a whole wave of kids on TikTok who experienced this song somewhere that wasn't on Gavin's official channel and they just assumed that this song was a genuine viking folk song from the 1200s or whatever <laughs> and 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 it's gotten so out of hand that <laughs> Gavin will get accused of lying when he says that he wrote the song <laughs> so like j- just to illustrate like like making, making songs that are inspired by video games or inspired by anime, uh, or, or whatever is incredibly lucrative right now. If you target the right people, like the right audiences and the right crowds and niches. Um, and I also love magic, the gathering. Uh, so, um, I am friends with a couple of the designers and staff members who work with wizards of the coast for magic, the gathering. And so I basically kind of like, i basically just hit them up and i was like hey i think that we should do this (laughs) and i i showed them i was like look there's people making hundreds of thousands of dollars on the internet making songs about your properties yeah you know there's people getting millions of of play like so i i sat down with like some of the influencer marketing people and i was like look like you guys your job is literally to, to handle the influencer marketing for, for, for these brands. And these are influencers and they are doing like marketing for you yeah. by making songs. Let's see if we can do something like this. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, um, basically I just talked them into, uh, trying that out and seeing if we could make some songs inspired by magic, the gathering and see what people think of them. Um, and uh yeah it was i i still can't believe it happened uh we got to work with so many crazy amazing musicians um and we got to write songs about some of the some of the most pivotal story moments of of Mm -hmm. all the magic the gathering lore that's come out recently um awesome and it's it, it feels good that brands are brands are finally realizing how valuable content creators are um and partnering up with them you know because 10 years ago that something like that never would have happened uh but now we we live in a world where um yeah look it's, it's crazy man it's like it's it's crazy that like it it used to be that you'd have to sign a record label and the record label would own everything. And, and, and you would be lucky if you make, you know, 20% of the money that your own music makes. And now because like clout has been monetized so well on the internet and the size of somebody's audience as a marketing weapon uh, is such a, such a powerful tool that now you'll get video games that will like approach content creators and be like, Hey, uh, here's $10,000 make a video that like showcases our, our product, whether that's a yeah. song, whether that's a, a, um, a let's play, whether that's a comedy sketch or anything. Um, and I think it's worth adding to that, that session musicians, I, obviously, you know, this, but session musicians and like jingle like like composers or whatever, like the type of people who are doing this, who don't have clout usually get treated very badly by the industry. Mm-hmm. Like the, the people who get paid to make a soundtrack for a video game uh, or the people who get paid to, to record guitar for a, a video game or, or write a sea shanty for a fantasy game or whatever. Usually those people do not get paid. Well, usually they do not get very, very many royalties unless you're super famous and unless you're, uh, unless you're, you know, who was it? Who did the, the doom soundtrack, Mick Gordon, um, mm-hmm. uh, in, unless you're one of these like very recognizable names, but, but that's kind of what I'm getting at is that like, it's the recognizable names who get paid well because yeah. they can leverage the fact that they're recognizable. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, in some, you, you could see this as a bad thing or you could see it as a good thing, but like, instead of trying to get your degree in sound design or whatever it is that you're trying to do, and then pushing a resume to a game company and hoping that they pay you minimum wage to make sound sound effects or, or or score for that for their game or whatever, you can kind of just do whatever you love on the internet in a way that's smart enough that you get some clout. Yeah. And then come back to that same company once you have clout and be like, "Hey, Hey, I have, 200,000 fans, pay me thousands of dollars, and I'm gonna keep the rights to this music because you're not paying me for the asset itself. You're not paying me for the song. You're paying me because of all of the people that I can bring to see yeah. this song. You're paying me not because of my musical skills, but because my music skills are a vehicle for you to get more exposure and yeah. fans. So the the whole the whole formula of how musicians can make money from these brands is completely flipped. Um if you're able to take advantage of social media in the way that I have, um yeah. I know that was a really long answer you were asking about the Magic the Gathering thing, but but that, that, that's basically <laughs> the idea, right? Is that like like they, they weren't paying us because they wanted songs to put in the game. It's a card yeah. game, right? They were paying right, right, right. us because this is like a, a, a marketing uh it's yeah. an amazing marketing project, right? Right. Um so we don't have anything else in the pipes right now with Magic the Gathering. Um the, you know, I don't I don't follow everything that's going on in that, in that corporation, but I know that um, they're always trying different things and and experimenting. And, and, um, and what I do know, I, that's not something that I would really talk about publicly. Um, (laughs) But what I can say is that there's nothing else in the pipes right now, but I have nothing but love and respect for everybody at that company. And, and of course the company itself, I still play magic constantly. And I am always ready uh, to pick up the phone if they decide that they want to uh, take another crack at doing some music stuff. Um very cool. But, awesome. yeah.
0: I want to talk a little about your, just like your singing and your voice. Yeah. yeah. This is such a big part of, you know, what I talk about and cover on the channel. Um, yeah. Like, you definitely, to me, sound very much like a natural bass voice. Like, that's yes. where your bass voice sits. But you have obviously learned how to, uh, A, you've you've learned, you know, the the some subharmonic kind of technique that you know you used in the the cover of of centuries that you did with the bass gang which is awesome and you've also learned how to really extend your upper range yeah do this kind of metal you know rock belting kind of stuff with all that grit how did where did you kind of start on the singing and did you just find your voice had a natural affinity for the metal stuff or did you actively pursue it and going off that are there things in your voice that you work on and are trying to strengthen or have you kind of, you know, found your lands with your voice and really just like lean into those?
1: Yeah, um, that's an incredible question. Um, I uh, I definitely like hit a wall when I was a lot younger of having a natural bass voice yeah. um, where I'm sure like, as you know, like there, there aren't very many spaces in pop culture where natural bass voices are like welcomed uh oh. unless you get like typecast into like you know singing opera or singing villain songs or yeah. or, or which so is like, niche. very niche right stuff. right like 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 okay i'm you know i'm gonna get typecast as the guy who always plays the villain in broadway musicals because yep. that's the only way that i can, can i'm always full, i'm always know? the old i'm always the old man of the back. Yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> In <laughs> opera. <laughs> yeah so uh, um and then of course there's rarely any popular singers like on the radio or, or or whatever um who have lower voices again unless you're getting typecast unless it's like a, a super like baby lock them doors you know say, it's pretty much only <laughs> yeah. country music yeah it's yeah. like country music but like very like sort of romantic masculine coded kind yes. of country music um <laughs> so uh but then the one of the only other places where deep voices are kind of welcomed with open arms is heavy metal music um yeah and i always loved rock music growing up and i didn't really have a pathway to try any of the other sort of roads there the the, the tiny little uh, the tiny little gravel roads <laughs> that bass singers were given in in yes. the 2010s yes yes, yes. uh but uh, through that journey of, like, trying to push myself to to sing rock music more expressively, um, I just naturally kind of pushed grit in different directions until my range started expanding slowly um, to where uh, now I, I feel like I've found a space where, ironically, uh, what I can do with my voice now is very sought after because there were so few bass singers trying to push into the 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 singing space um like the fact that i can push my high range and belt so well there, there just aren't very many guys on the internet yeah that are natural bass baritones who can belt uh and enunciate properly in in their higher register yeah. um and part of that, uh, like because a lot of these a lot of these bass singers um, they have the choir background they have the the Broadway bra- background or whatever and and they're incredible singers but then belting and enunciating over a heavy metal song is completely different than yeah. uh, shaping your vowels for for choir music or, or Broadway music or, or what have you um, so I feel like I kind of like accidentally backed into a corner that ended up <laughs> kind of being like where i built my my kingdom (laughs) you know it's like okay like there's nobody else trying to do this with this voice type and with this style of music uh i'm gonna be the one to to absolutely like pave the way yeah um as far as things i'm trying to work on um i'm trying to work on my mixed uh my mixed range um for anybody listening it's it's kind of when you you sing with like a, a hybrid between your head voice or falsetto and your chest voice. And it's a really weird part of your register to control. That's a lot easier to control if you're a tenor, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing my range upwards and trying to become more flexible to uh, to sort of mold my voice wherever I want it to go to where I have, like, for example, like right now I kind of have like a belting range, that caps out like around the, uh, I think what is it? Is middle C, C four? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like G, G four is about where my belting range kind of caps out. Yeah, uh, and that's been like going up by a semitone every two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a but then, um, then like above that, like maybe like an octave above that, I have like a falsetto range, but it's like a very distinct flip. Yeah. Um like once I get past that G G four or whatever, um, then it's like, okay, I'm in falsetto now and I'm strictly in falsetto now. <laughs> um so I'm trying to like I'm trying to manipulate my voice better to create kind of this hybrid mixed voice range so that I can kind of transition better above the belting without being super falsetto-y. Yeah. Um so that's one of my main goals. Cool. I've been trying to um, trying to preset upper range.
0: As far as Grit. When you first started, um, it's the kind of singing that's often very taxing for people who are just yeah. figuring out how to do it. But it's something I've said. I've never called it like a healthy method of phonation. It's not. Yeah, it's but not. <laughs> I have called it. You can learn how to do it somewhat sustainably. Yeah. And so that's the word I like to use when describing people who are really good at it. And I've cited you a number of times on my channel as someone who. Oh, can, thanks, man. Yeah, man, who can like yeah. you know reliably do it for a a big. Studio session, yeah, you know, and and not completely destroy your voice. So, like, what what was the learning process like, and how did you kind of experiment and learn how far to push it, you know, before you're like, okay, I have to not sing for three days afterwards,
1: or, yeah, it's, I definitely did not learn it in a safe way. I definitely would not, (laughs) I would not recommend the way that I learned it because what it is is for for anybody listening who's who's familiar with like the different types of your of your throat. It's uh, it is a false chord grit you are like legitimately like yelling and clenching your throat while you yell yeah uh while you're phonating uh it's very (laughs) it's like it's it's those the false cord muscles that you if you get into an argument with someone or if you're you're shouting at your dog to not eat the neighbor it's it's that part of your throat that you're clenching and it's why your throat hurts if you're yelling at somebody like that um but uh yeah like pacing myself and not trying to not trying to go on tour uh and do it every night is really important drinking tons of water and and knowing when to stop when i feel like i can't sustainably hit the notes anymore i stop come back tomorrow yeah um and then through literally like a, a decade of slowly Basically I learned it through belting. I learned it through like which you should not do by the way. Like it was basically like, "Oh, I'm trying to sing this rock song that's like a little bit out of my comfortable range. I'm just going to push harder." And that's like like the number one thing that you should never do when you're trying to learn how to sing. Singing, yes. Um but that that is how I accidentally learned when I was a stupid kid who didn't have enough uh, yeah. vocal training. Um but, through doing that so long and learning my own my own limits just through trial and error, eventually I got to a point where like, okay, now we're adding vibrato to that gritty yeah. belt, and now we're like since we're adding vibrato, we can kind of control it a little bit better. We can make sure that like it's it's um consistent it's, it's consistent and supported and and yeah. uh making sure that like um training to to be able to to turn on and off the grit even like like in in between different syllables of a word yeah like so you're you're not just pushing the grit every syllable you'll like sing cleanly and then on that one money note on that one belt note you crush in with some of that false yeah. chord grit just for that one syllable um and there's other th- like little things that I do too. Like I save the grit for the end of the session. Yeah. I'll I'll usually do like several full takes of the song with no grit at all, and then right at the end, I'll kind of go back in and and like paste in some grit in places that it it might need. Um, so it it's really, um, it's like sprinting. You know what I mean? It's like if yeah. if if going on tour is like running a marathon what I do with my grit is like sprinting and you can't run a marathon at full sprint, yeah. you know, like you, you will pass out and, and shit blood. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you, like, you you have to be, uh you have to be smart about it and you have to know your own voice. You have to know when to sprint and when to stop and yeah. how to, how to do that. So yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I'm really proud of it. I'm really, I'm really yeah. happy with the, with the grit I'm able to get. I'm really proud of how, how I've been able to kind of learn that, but it's definitely, it's not safe. And yeah. I, I always, I, I, I'm not even, I, I'm even more, more harsh than you are when people ask me about it. I think I, I, I always, I, I never even tell people how to do it. I'm just like, don't do it until you like, like come back when you can show me that you're a, a, a really confident and good singer. Yeah. And then we'll talk about how to add grit. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause yeah. I didn't, add any grit until i had been in choirs for like five ten years and was already recording like trying to re- yeah. like building up experience recording my own voice for years so um
0: well, that's the thing i mean it's something i've been interested in it's not something i can really experiment with while i'm in the middle of like right. opera production right but like obviously like the training for opera is fucking absurd it's just it's like the the most trained yeah. Genre of singing. And it has to be. So like yeah. I'm definitely at a point now where I'm very secure with like vocal strength and breath support and like perfect yeah. vowel shaping and everything the tongue's doing and the soft palate and all this stuff. Yep. And it's like I would love to be able to find some time to like learn how to add some grit. Yeah. Cause like I love like I-, I love the sounds you make and I've always loved like big like hardcore belting it's like the yeah. coolest like most intense thing It can add so much to a song and a cover so much excitement beyond yeah. clean beyond a clean phonation so it's it's something i hope to experiment with at some point i just know i can't do it in the middle i can't start working on it when i've got you know performances coming up
1: right yeah it's uh it's fun but yeah i could i could do a little i could do a little demonstration if you want i, I usually don't do this but um yeah please i'm sure everyone would love to hear it uh you you kind of it's the starting point to find your false folds, which is the way that I add grit is to kind of like ah, ah, ah. right. It's like when you're sighing, you're really angry or or yeah ah, ah, right Um, yeah. and then you 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 have to be able to phonate through that. You have to be able to sing a pitch and crunch in on that ah, ah, right Okay, so okay ah, right. You can kind of hear. Like oh the the microphone I think it's too loud so the microphone just like
0: completely cut out. Yeah, I can
1: I can I can turn it down here. Uh, Right.
0: Yeah, I got it that time. Um,
1: Yeah, so you can kind of you can kind of like hear like where I'm clenching my false folds, um, yeah, and even just doing that to like kind of figure out where it sits. It won't. If you do it right, it it shouldn't really hurt. It should just kind of tickle. But then the more you do it, you're yeah. you're literally just like, <laughs> like it's you're like tightening a balloon and letting the air squeeze out, and the the flaps of the balloon are are hitting each other, <laughs> and yeah. and that right. is eventually gonna gonna hurt your voice. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then adding adding vibrato to that, you you can kind of like it, it gets so much more consistent once you add vibrato because ah uh, 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 like you can kind of like change your vowel shape and 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 then you're not actually like you're not pushing through your false folds for the entire time yeah you're you're just kind of like it totally cut out again when you when you went (laughs) when you went to the vibrato anyway yeah yeah that's point is point is vibrato is important and and knowing all these different techniques and breast support is really important um go watch centuries by the bass
0: gang featuring
1: jay young <laughs> if you want to
0: see some great rock belty vibrato <laughs> yes, absolutely <laughs> awesome well thank you for that i mean we we at least got to see the first part of it um, yes, yes. so we i really appreciate that uh explanation um the darn
1: zoom zoom noise I, I canceling it, it doesn't have a, either, it yeah. didn't have
0: a chance it does not have a chance um i'm gonna hit you with one more question then we got a few questions from patreon yeah um but first um you were talking a little bit earlier about like timing to turn out a cover and how, like if one takes too long, you could have just done a second one. Yeah. What is, what is uh what is your schedule like for making a new cover? Like from the arrangement to the recording, to the, to the post process, post process to the video editing. How long does all that take? Uh,
1: usually about three days total. Wow. That's, yeah. That's short. Yeah. So, um, and it didn't always didn't didn't always go that fast uh there's two ways that I usually do it uh the first way is i have a a freelance um freelance arranger and producer who works with me a lot sixteen in mono uh this is uh is his internet name um and He works just as fast as me, if not faster. And he's more experienced with mixing and instrumental arranging than I am. So especially with rock music and metal music. So a lot of times if I, if I need to pump out a cover fast, I'll throw money at him. He'll do the instrumental arrangement, all the drum programming, guitar tracking. He'll do that usually in one day, sometimes two. Um, He forks it over to me. I'll usually spend one day, sometimes two uh, tracking lead vocals and then tracking harmonies. Um, I'll take as many shortcuts as I can. If it's a song where I'm singing clean the whole time, I'll sing a, a well enunciated expressive take and pitch, correct it to save time and save vocal energy. If it's a, if it's a more dynamic, expressive Broadway, sort of a, a a song where I have to sing, um, with less auto tune because it's more, uh, sort of free form or if it's more gritty, um, then uh it'll usually take me like an extra day of vocal tracking to get all the takes of all the parts that I need without relying on shortcuts uh and then uh usually I mix kind of I I mix very heavily with mix templates so when I open up a new project It'll have all of the drums and guitars and everything dialed in just the way that I like it. So I can literally sit down on this drum set, play through the drum part, touch it up a little bit. That's two hours, three hours, uh, plug the guitar in, run through the guitar part a couple times for a couple layers, touch it up a little bit. Guitars are done. Chicken peck in the bass on this keyboard here. That's 30 minutes. Guitar bass and drums are done. Sometimes that's the whole arrangement. And then, um, And then a couple hours of vocal tracking and and vocal editing and mixing. Um, You do all that though. Yeah. Uh, So when I don't, when I don't hire Brandon, um, then yeah. Like even yesterday, I, um, uh, yesterday I spent about an hour tracking drums for a a metal sea shanty cover that I'm doing. And then I spent probably, um, I spent probably three hours tracking and recording guitars And then then I programmed bass in between games of Overwatch with my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then sometimes I'll add like some orchestral strings, but that's literally just like playing a couple keyboard takes with a string voice on Yeah. Uh, a big part of it for me is picking the right plugins because if I have my perfect drum setup dialed in, in my computer, then I'm never wasting any time tweaking it. I'm just yeah. playing the drums with my settings already dialed in same with guitar. I'm never messing with guitar tones. I plug in the guitar. I play the guitar part into my perfect tone that I've designed for my template. And yeah. then it's done um and same with vocals i never spend any time vocal mixing because my settings are already dialed in by the time i'm tracking um amazing so i know exactly how i know exactly how i'm going to layer and mix my harmonies and i already have those tracks ready to go so i can literally just record the harmonies and drag them into the harmony tracks and it's already dialed in and panned exactly the way that that i like it with all the right plugins um so setting up a workflow like that is the most important thing for my speed um And then shoot video in the garage, edit it together, slap on some color correcting. Um, And do you you edit the video as well? Sometimes I edit my own videos, but I do have an editor now who um, edits for some of my clients and also uh, oftentimes edits for me. Um, And it usually takes them about a day to edit the video. So if I need to do everything myself, I can do the whole process in two to three days. Otherwise, if I'm hiring other people, then sometimes we're waiting for people to finish up different parts of the project but yeah. that also frees up again talking about time management and and pumping out like a, a high output of content then if i'm hiring somebody else to do the drums and guitar and bass or the video editing that's half a day worth of my time that i can now spend working on the next project yeah um so i'm super super like streamlining my my time management is like one of one of my like biggest strengths as a content creator I feel is like I, I don't waste any time
0: um yeah. no that is a shockingly quick turnaround for the yeah. quality especially for the quality that you put thank out. you man
1: thank you so much
0: of course um so do you try to get way ahead on stuff or do you try to just like week to week put out one thing or or what
1: I'm in a constant cycle of getting way ahead and then getting too comfortable with the fact that I'm way ahead and working on side projects and then getting behind <laughs> and then needing to get ahead again yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah, I usually try to get ahead. Um, we've been changing a lot. Like, we've been going back and forth with like trying different types of content. So it's been kind of weird lately. Uh, just because, like, we'll have an idea, we'll, we'll be like, okay, well, we have this thing done that we want to post. But then it'll be like, oh, but we haven't posted a sea shanty in a while. And it seems like people really want to see another sea shanty. Maybe let's hold off on what we're going to do this week and speed run a cover in the next three days or whatever. Yeah. Um, so cool yeah
0: base gang actually has a jolly sailor bold coming out soon
1: hey nice that's awesome
0: should be good um all right let's get into a few patreon questions some of which i'm sure we've answered already um this is this is is the first one that came in i I thought this was a really interesting question this is from jan cates dan in australia and she said if you could collab with someone who's no longer living who would it be and why so an artist that has that has passed away like a uh, Mozart or you know hmm. pretty cool question yeah that is a
1: cool question oh, I man. mean for
0: your kind of for the kind of music you make I mean I'm sure pretty much everyone that's done it is still living or almost everyone
1: yeah yeah for for specifically heavy metal music um I'd probably wanna I'd probably want to work with a jazz musician mm. mm-hmm um like one of the one of the guys that wrote probably uh, yeah i don't know like like, like or yeah like an irving berlin or something like that like 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 co-write a song with with like an irving berlin or something like that that'd be so that would that'd probably <laughs> be my answer because i'm so, not really i'm not really super drawn to like yeah all, all, all of the modern artists that I look up to, for the most part, are still alive, and I'm not really drawn to just working with singers. Yeah, and pre pre Beatles, pretty much everybody was just a singer, unless you go to like jazz music. So
0: yeah, Ten Pan Alley. Yeah, cool. All yeah. Right, Ir- Irving Berlin, cl- uh, yeah, Irving Berlin, songwriting with Irving Berlin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is from Mortius, who's a uh, he's a fellow kind of reaction analysis guy. Sweet. To um this is basically his question is what has been your experience working with caleb he loves all the stuff you guys have done together yeah
1: yeah um yeah caleb's great uh i'm kind of doing a little tour sort of thing with caleb right now um awesome. where we just perform at a bunch of anime conventions and it's been going great um caleb is one of my closest friends in the business i i cold cold called him i i emailed him uh just out of nowhere when we first started our youtube channels cuz we were both doing disney covers and i was like hey we should work together cuz we're both doing disney covers and he was like yeah all right and now we're <laughs> now, now we're like working together like every week and I, I produce for him and and um and we hang out all the time and, That's and awesome. we, we we're playing overwatch last night uh but <laughs> but yeah he uh he's he's one of the best singers i work with he's incredibly smart his um his like vocal inflection and his instincts with like singing are are really on point um and we understand each other really well as collaborators to the point where like i'll i'll like i'll I'll arrange something and just be like caleb here sing this verse and i (laughs) i I can just kind of like throw stuff at him and 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 not i can always trust that he'll kill it and do exactly what you know what what i would have wanted him to do um and I, I hope that he would say the same of me because I'm <laughs> producing a lot uh, of his you know covers I'll now. Have, I'll have <laughs> to get him on the channel and ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, okay, this is from LKH. It's just her uh, her username for Patreon. Um, dream project you want to do but can't yet. So can't instead of haven't. So I guess like something you want to do but just don't have the means for. At
1: the yeah. Moment. Good question. Well, I'm very lucky to be able to say that I think all of the all of the projects that are my, my dream projects for the most part I do have the means to do and I am slowly trying to do them. That's awesome. Um but uh let me think. I I I had I had some delusions of wanting to make a show kind of in the same veins as like metalocalypse or or something yeah, like yeah, a, a like a yeah. musical sort of a show um yeah um i do yeah so like doing some kind of like a musical like storytelling sort of broadway style i think that broadway broadway as a format has not integrated well into the internet yet and i think that like, like, why hasn't somebody made, I mean, I'm sure people have tried, but w- like, why isn't it more commonplace to basically make like, like port Broadway musical style media into basically YouTube yeah. format? You know what I mean? Like, why, why aren't people making like musical short films more often? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun to try. Um uh, but in terms of in terms of can't do yet, there's not much that I can't do yet. I uh, yeah, but a fully probably, animated show is a yeah, good full, fully animated show is a good one. I think you need
0: like a few mil yeah. to burn on that. Yeah, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, I
1: had I had an idea for a show, and I was actually working on a pilot, but it it wasn't. It was it was very, it was a very like. First draft, sort of an idea. It was very yeah. like Metalocalypse meets Deadpool, sort of a fourth <laughs> wall breaking yeah. musical show. But yeah, maybe someday. Yeah.
0: It's a good point about the musical theater translating online because it could. I know why opera doesn't, mainly because opera, it's because it's unamplified, it's just yeah. raw voice against orchestra that is the magic of opera that is only in opera
1: and the room to, like the acoustics of the room yeah it's it's yeah. just
0: supposed to be captured live and you can't you can't tell what's amazing about an opera voice other than like technique but you can't tell size of voice yeah like how it interacts with the room without microphones that you get you get that live that's why opera companies never hire virtually you have to sing for them you can get through the pre screenings virtually but you have to sing for them yeah. in the house to get hired So I know why opera doesn't translate, but musical theater is all amplified. So that like totally could work, I think.
1: Man, that's so, that's such a, I know we've already been talking for an hour and a half here, but that, that is such an interesting, like talking piece to me about like, uh, cause many times I'm like super vocal about like how I feel that the internet is like a really big net positive and, and for artists and for musicians but that's really interesting to think about like how there are things like opera that like you just can't like really put on the internet properly um and and that's not to suggest that like we're losing that but it's definitely like since it's not monetizable on the internet there's definitely like an element of like how do you get people to to care about yeah, how special that is. You know, you have
0: to get people in the space. Yeah. That's what most opera companies are working on. Yeah. Getting people in the space. Cause a lot of people that do find it are pretty sh- stunned and shocked yeah. and amazed and become super fans. Yeah. But just not that many people find it. And it's harder and harder to get people out. Yeah. Like you gotta, I mean, you have to have a gun to someone's head just to get them to click on a link. Yeah. <laughs> much less have them get in the car and go to a theater yeah um so there's a lot of work to be done there in the opera world but people do find it you know um there's this big fear that like once the old people die there are no more opera fans but the thing about opera is it just takes people a while to find it and to appreciate it but there are always new fans coming up and then you know they'll be the old people and they'll die and then there'll be more fans coming up it's just an older generally older more mature people Take yeah a liking a liking to it because it does kind of take a sort of patience there you know yeah. it's a pretty long form performance most of them um, yeah it's it is a really it's a fucking cool art form though i'll say that i would yeah 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 <laughs> that's
1: incredible incredible yeah
0: <laughs> all right we've got one more we, we answered the question part of this which was uh how much practice does it take for you to achieve your high notes or does it come naturally so we we pretty we yeah. squared we squared that circle um and so this is really just a comment from i the guy named isaac he says i've been watching since you started your journey and i especially love your disney villain covers so that's from isaac
1: awesome <laughs> hell yeah thank you isaac. all
0: right um that is going to wrap it up so thank you all so much for tuning in it's been an absolute joy i feel like this is a really wonderful chat we just yeah
1: absolutely like, man. so
0: many so many cool things yeah and like behind the scenes behind the curtain about like the industry and what big creators like you are are up against. So really, really insightful. I think people are going to really enjoy it. So before we sign off, any final words to the fans, the audience, young creators, whatever you want to say.
1: Yeah. um, Get out there and do it. You know, there's so many, so many kids and, and, uh, and adults, kids and adults that I meet that that want to be doing stuff like this. Um, And a lot of times that people hold themselves back because they are embarrassed of the production quality or they're embarrassed of the, you know, like don't let anything, especially yourself, stop you from diving in. Cause it, 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 like we mentioned earlier, it, re- you really could like blow up and make a six figure income just by singing into your iPhone. And yeah. I can't emphasize enough how how cool that is because like you know there's there's no barrier of entry at all there's literally nothing stopping you other than how smart you are to take advantage of the systems that we have to navigate but that's that's just knowledge learning how the youtube algorithm works learning how the tiktok algorithm works learning how to put your stuff on spotify and how to get people to to go over there it's just like you can learn that there's there's nothing there's no there's no magic button that jonathan young is pressing that makes (laughs) him get millions of plays on spotify i just started throwing stuff on the internet until it started to work um so i would encourage anybody listening who wants to do anything artistic to make peace with sucking for a little bit uh, because the rewards (laughs) will be there so amazing yeah. all right
0: man thank you so much for joining i'll keep you posted on the release right yeah. now i think i think looking like early october or late september also awesome. releasing releasing one of these episodes every two weeks at a pace that i know i can keep up and we'll see hell if yeah. that changes but probably late september early october such a joy chatting with you man glad we glad we got to have a one-on-one for a while
1: yeah absolutely and
0: uh best of luck with everything and uh
1: yeah what Talk what to part of what part of california are you are you chilling in right now well
0: i'm in santa barbara but just for just for a few days okay um i'm about to move to phoenix to start working with arizona opera oh hell yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: phoenix is a very short yeah a very short skip away
0: it is actually, yeah, for sure. And Santa I'm sure Barbara, up in L.A. for for uh, auditions. Are yeah. you in L.A. right? Yeah, I'm in L.A. Yeah, Near collar. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm 20 minutes away from calling Amazing!
0: <laughs> I finally got yeah. to meet him. I was out there for a voice competition, and we went out to a whiskey bar and just nice hung out. It was fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Anytime you're in L.A., definitely <laughs> let me know. All
0: right, brother. Great, great talking to you, man. Awesome. Talk to you later, buddy. Peace. Peace.